Hello and welcome to the Me and My Golf podcast. We're your hosts and PGA coaches, Andy Proudman and Piers Ward. And these podcasts are really about one thing, making you better. Yes, on here we'll be sharing our own experiences and knowledge as players and coaches, as well as bringing to you special guests to help your game. Let's get into today's podcast and help you take charge of your game. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. We hope you're doing well and more importantly, we hope the golf is good. So let us know through any of our social media platforms. We're always interested to find out how our fans and followers are doing with their golf. Now, we've been having an amazing run of special guests and we have another one today. We have Matt Wallace. Now, Matt has proved himself as a winner already on the European Tour. He has developed a winning mentality, and this is what we were very much interested in finding out how he has managed to do this. We know he's going to be a, a megastar in the game. I think the Ryder Cups is going to be something where he's going to obviously show a lot of promise and do very well, maybe even be the heir apparent to Mr. Ian Poulter. So, in this podcast, we talk about Matt, about what drove him into golf, what he did in his early part of his career, what he does now to make sure that his game is in tip-top condition, working at his golf swing, even talking about the slight slump he's had in form recently and the technical changes he's made and how actually this pandemic has helped him almost reset a little bit and get himself ready for the season, which will hopefully be starting soon. So without further ado, we have Mr. Matt Wallace. So, Matt Wallace, thank you so much for joining the show. How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm as good as possibly can be at this, uh, at this time. Um, obviously, as we're uncertain of what's going on. Obviously, a little bit more, more sure on what's going on over here on the PGA Tour. Um, but, yeah, until, until I'm at a tournament and we're, we're there playing, uh, who knows really what's going to go on. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's so unprecedented. We've spoke to quite a few of the guys, you know, and you know, it's just this this limbo. You know, you you mm-hmm. can't go and play tournament golf. You're stuck with your other half a lot more than you used to with your families. I think some of the guys with kids are quite enjoying it, and I'm sure that won't last forever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you want to get that yeah. freedom of playing tournament golf again. So it, look, it is. There's a lot more important things going on in the world. We know that, but I think when we when we speak to you guys, tournament golfers, it's 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 so, such a different change of life for you guys it's, 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 it's our it's our life it's our it's our ambition it's our drive you know we've got things that we want to do daily to help improve and for our mindset to really um keep us going and it's been taken away from us a little bit and as you said there's way more important things in the world that that matter so but i'm just figuring out ways to try and keep that mental side going whether it be going on a run and setting a set time and doing things that can, I can give myself a little bit of a, um, a push towards and a competition for my, in myself. Yeah. Massively important, massively important. Mm. So it's been a look, it's been a, a pretty impressive career and we've probably known you for a couple of years now. And we actually would have met through the Odomar Piguet invitationals that, that happen every year. And I just, just quickly on that, I heard a quite a good, cool story about how you actually got to be part of the AP family. Can you just go through that? Yeah. So, it's a it's a funny one you know and um as you guys know the the team at ap are brilliant francois at the top is is a nutter he's an absolute <laughs> nutter but that's what i think makes him so good um he's a visionary he thinks outside the box um and that's what makes his days for him and his clients and and us as well uh so much fun so uh, the story comes about i was on the alps tour um, I've signed with Chubby Chandler at ISM and 
Chubby knows Francois really well. And a lot of his players over the years have had an AP contract because Francois likes Chubby, likes the work he does, always um, likes his players. Um, so I thought I'd try and seal the deal and say to Chubby straight away on the outsource, so where's my AP contract? <laughs> and... Um, and Chubby looked at me, he laughed, and he goes, "Come on, you're on the outdoor. Let's let's do let's get up to the big league, and then we can have a chat." So managed to win in Portugal, and got on my European tour card. And uh, I said, "Right, Chub, come on, let's let's talk let's talk AP because I've always wanted to be with AP. Love the watches, but it's that logo, you know, the logo on the sleeve. To know you're with." Uh, in that AP family, the Stensons, the over the years, the Rorys, the G Max, everybody, you know, everyone who's a who's a namesake for me in my career um, has been with AP. Westy still today. Um, Pier- Piers Ward as well, obviously, you know. But you were after me, I think. So, um, so I'm there. I'm in India, and Chubby's managed to sort. A deal with AP but it's only for the watch and not the logo which is amazing don't get me wrong amazing but it's that sort of clarification you want to show to your your peers your players that you're playing with your AP hey look I'm AP and um, so I just had the the watch and in India um, it was kind of like let's let's see how he gets on and then he needs to kind of earn his ropes, earn his stripes sort of thing, like a, mm-hmm. like a pilot, earn your stripes um, and do it that way. Anyway, I won in India and all the pictures <laughs> on there, AP, trophy, no no logo on the back, back seat, so you can't see it. And um, yeah, I, I was buzzing. And the one person that wasn't was Francois AP. <laughs> he, uh, he calls me up that, that day saying, you F-bomb, <laughs> get that, get, the, get your clothes sent off now and get the AP logo on. So, um, yeah, that was a funny start. And then, obviously, I carried on, won a couple more, and I said, I think I've paid you back with the, with the AP logo now. So, uh, yeah, awesome. we've got a great, we've got a great um, relationship, and I really like the, the people at AP. They are fantastic. They are fantastic. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, it's, it's a pleasure to do the event every year. Well, however many we do this year, I don't know. Hopefully we'll see you in November. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. I don't know how that's going to work out. We shall see. But I think it's it's interesting. You know, it, it ties us in next to the next thing that we want to talk about, which is, you know, for you winning, you've won a lot, you know, 10, you know, 10, you know, professional tournament victories. Um, you know, I want to talk about that and the Ryder Cups. But I think the, in, the interesting thing that a story that we saw whenever we speak to players and we're in this conversation and your name comes up, they always feel that you are very, um, you've got a reputation for being determined and wanting to win. And even to the point when we do the little AP challenges and you were getting up to do your challenge and Darren Clark goes, Oh, it's Billy big balls. Here he goes. You know, so we know that there's this reputation for you of being a winner and being hard nosed, whatever, is this something that you are aware of or is this something that you feel is a strength of yours? What's your thought on it? I think I've had it my whole life. I've always been driven um, to be successful somehow um, to an extent sometimes where uh, people know the story at school where I used to lose a few friends at school because I wanted to win so badly. Um, football matches, you know, where I used to... Because 
you could win because I could win as a part of a team as well. Um, I wanted everyone to win as much as I wanted to win. Um, if I didn't feel like they were pulling me <laughs> along or doing enough, I'd sometimes have a go at them and be like, come on, I, don't, please don't you cost me from winning today sort of thing mm-hmm. or having a chance at winning. Put everything you can into it. And they'd be like, it's a school match. It's a school match. <laughs> Chill out. And I'd be like, I get it like after the match and I get it a bit down the line. But at that moment, I was like, I have to win. I've got to win. Like, I don't know why. I think it's just been brought up in me and being competitive around my sister and my parents, just wanting to win all the time. And um, it's kind of died down a little bit now, that that sort of drive and passion to the extreme of trying to get it done like no end. Um, but only for a reason that, it's probably a little bit unhealthy sometimes that if you if you do that much, you're going to cost yourself because you can't win all the time out here on tour. Not even not even Tiger did it when he was he did it a lot. Yeah. But it's, he, even he didn't do it. So the, it's it's not great for for yourself. And um, but I've still got that fire in me every single week that I want to compete and want to work as hard as I possibly can to to win because that's how I feel gets the best out of me you know? how, do you, how do you manage that then Matt obviously because you've got as you said there your determination and your drive is a it's a big strong point yeah. but the the expectation that you put on yourself then sets you up yeah. for being frustrated and, and disappointed yeah. a lot then and it's like well well I've done I've done a few I've done a few techniques and stuff and talked with people along the along the road and Lee Crumblehome was one guy that I spoke to um, for about a year when we worked together about it and it was more about trying to get your level expectation where your game is at. So, yes, I've got higher. If if I try and keep my expectation just above where I feel my game is, where my technical side, where my skill set is, then that's perfect. But if my expectation gets too high and my skill set is too low, that's when I'll blow up. If I've got too big a gap there, yeah. that's when I'll blow up because... I'll expect to hit a fade with water up the left or something. If my skill set isn't there to do that and I pull it and I hit it into the, the water, but my, I expect it all day long to fade off there, then I'm going to blow up. And I, I, that's where I've started to understand that more and go, right, where's my skill set? Where? Wh- how good am I? H- how have I been doing in my preparation for this tournament? Blah, blah, blah. And um, you then start to really understand your own game. And then you can go, oh, I haven't got this fade on lockdown. So I'm going to have to maybe aim in the middle of the fairway here. And then if it does fade and goes right side, we can still play from there. Um, and yeah, in this last period of golf, which I'm very fortunate, I feel that we've got this break to go away and work on my skill set, is that I haven't had that skill set there. And that's why people have maybe haven't seen that fire from me, because I haven't had the skill set there recently. Um and right now, I feel like this break that I've had has been massive for me. Um, hopefully, in years come by, I can look back at this and look at a positive part of this break, you know, rather than yeah. a negative and actually go, well, I wasn't playing how I wanted to at the end of last year. wasn't playing how I wanted to at the start of this year. I'm now swinging it way better than I was then. Um, so when we come back, my skill set should be better. And then I get the confidence back and uh, I'll, I'll manage my expectations way better then. Yeah, 
Yeah, I like that. We'll talk about the golf swing later because it is a very good golf swing and be interested to know what you've done with this. But obviously, out of your four European uh, Tour wins, two of them have been in the playoff. So this suggests that there is this, and we know that there's this drive and this one-to-one-on-one sort of competitive nature. The Ryder Cup seems to be perfect for you. It must have been very frustrating for you to not make the last one. And it's. do you feel that you'll thrive, kind of like an Ian Poulter-style character maybe? I, I've said it before. I think I've said it in an interview before where I'd like to be like the next Ian Porter. Um, but I don't want to. I, I don't. He, he's been so good at the Ryder Cup that I don't want to even have that sort of name tag at all. And I haven't even played one yet. So, <laughs> um, if I had half of his Ryder Cup, I'd be very, very happy. I'd be a very happy man. Um but I, I genuinely feel because I've grown up playing team sports my whole life and being successful in cricket and playing at a high sort of level there, you you've missed that. I miss that massively. I miss that team environment. I miss it being excited with other people. And yes, we get to do it a little bit with your team when you do well in, in this sort of context, but with fellow golfers, it's, it must be amazing against the best players in the world as well with fans and whatever. So, yeah, I feel like I thrive massively. And I just every day I think about the Ryder Cup and um, I think, yeah, I I, I want that. I want to be there. Um, That playoff style that I've had to deal with, I've gone to different levels in my game and in my mindset that kind of tells me then, yeah, I, I, I will do very well in a match play situation, a Ryder Cup situation. Um, I've played some shots where I didn't think I was possible to do, you know? And then you go, why is that? Oh, is that the intensity and the, 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 with that intensity, your focus really narrows and you really get into it and you go, right. And you can produce, you know, you can produce better shots than you ever think you can. And those are the times when I really feel like, I need to try and get that into my normal game all the time. Um, and you, you you talk about Pulse and you go, I reckon he's at that level sometimes where he probably plays shots that he never does before, ever, like ever. But it's because of that Ryder Cup scenario that he can pull it off and do it. And um, yeah, I, I just want, I want to get there. <laughs> it sounds that way. Yeah. We can't wait. We can't wait. Yeah, yeah, we'd look. Yeah, we definitely look forward to when you when you are in it because we do think you're going to be in it. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be good to see that unfold. Definitely. So let's talk about. Um, I mean, you went to Jacksonville State. You went there for how long were you there for? I was there for a year. Um, there's a backstory to it and stuff. I managed to get into the England squad back in uh, back here, so I decided to come back after a year. Okay, and I mean, you got lowest round, I think lowest recorded round now at 62.10 under par or something as well. Yeah, I did that. Um, we had an amazing, a, a great team. We went from something like 110th in the Division 1 to like 45th in Division 1 that year. Got to the Nationals and stuff like that. So that was really good. Um, in that 10 under round, you take, there's five players, you take four scores. And I think we had a 10 under, an 8 under, a 6 under, 5 under. And the score that didn't count was like a 3 under. Okay. <laughs> so we absolutely just smashed, smashed that week. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, that was good fun. And when did you decide that you wanted to be full-time player? When was that, when was that moment for you? Uh, full-time pro? Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I came back and played in the England setup, I actually just did a, a, a phone call with, um, with the England setup, the elite squad and stuff like that, and talking to them. And talking to them about my story, how it's not how you'd expect the four-time European Tour winner to go through the England system. So I was an okay golfer. I felt like I was a decent golfer. Not great, because I played with the likes of Tom Lewis growing up, who was amazing. Uh, just a, a, a star meant to be on the European Tour. I was always going to win. And um, I always felt like I was behind, sort of thing. I was never good enough for that sort of level going on to European Tour. But I made it into the England squad from those uh, posting those scores in the US. And um, I got sent out to Argentina, played okay over there, played in Czech Republic, which I played really well at, and then I played in Ireland, which I didn't play so good at. And then I made it to Lytham Trophy, where they said in an email, they said, whoever finishes highest out of the England boys will get into the England-France game. There's that dangle. <laughs> yeah, it's just you what you need. <laughs> okay, I want this. So I'm in the final group. Uh, on the last day, which is 36 holes at Lytham Trophy. And Nigel Edwards and Terry Casey at the time come and watch me. And I, I, I wasn't a very pretty golfer then. I didn't have a great swing. I managed to get it round, you know, chip and putt and take my chances when I could. Finish sixth in the tournament, 12 shots clear of the, the next English person. And they chose him over me. So I was like, okay, um, and I turned pro off that sort of... Because if I didn't make that team, I can't make Walker Cup. I can't do any of this sort of stuff. So what's the point? So I turned pro. And it was probably the best decision I ever made um, because I learned way more. And there's no disrespect to England. It's just the fact that... Oh, sorry. It's just the fact that um, they didn't let me thrive when I felt like I was doing okay sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, the individual professional ranks teaches you very very fast yeah and i learned so much from the likes of jason palmer ricky neil jones tom shabbal tom sherrard on the alps tour and then you're also traveling and playing against europeans which you don't do in in england and stuff so um learned so much on that tour yeah and obviously you, i mean you won six times in a row well, well it's not six times in a row but six times five. to win the order of merit was it yeah yeah five in a row and six Five in a row. Yeah. yeah. Jesus, yeah. There's only nine events, wasn't it? I think there's only nine events that we've played. I played nine played events. This is my best stat ever. I played nine events. My worst result was four. I came oh. fourth, third, second, and then six wins. Brilliant. Wow. Amazing. That'd be a nice, nice year yeah. on PJ Tour. That'd be really cool. But yeah, I think you're right. I mean, doing doing that, I mean, a guy who, obviously, you know, Aaron Rye, who we coach, and he, he yeah. didn't really do the EGU system either. You know, he didn't do it at all. And I think, but going on there and competing with these players and mixing with them, it really gives you the taste of what you need. And as long yeah. as you can get through it initially, boom, off you go. You get great, uh, great learning. Exactly. I think they wanted to talk to me and I wanted to talk to them to show them that there isn't one way of doing it. There's not mm. one way of, like, if you've made it into the elite squad, you're going to go on to the European tour. It's absolute nonsense. And you're not going to have a great glittering career, you know? I wanted to show them that I've I failed in their eyes. I failed in the England setup. I then turned pro and I didn't do anything for four years. 
and now I'm a four-time European Tour winner. You know, so it it doesn't that, try and try and do things differently, sort of thing, to how you expect them to go. Mm. Um, have a different outcome, and that's that's what will make you a really good player. Yeah. I love that. I love yeah. that. Should we go to some swing stuff, Pierce? I think we should go on the golf swing. Yeah, on yeah. the golf swing. So, look, obviously, you work really hard on your technique. You say it's changed a lot, obviously. Um, with Robert Rock and Liam, obviously, yeah. you spent a lot of time with these guys. What's, how hard do you work on your technique and how often do you work with the coaches? I try to do less technical work than... Um, what I should be, well, not what I should be doing, what I do. I do okay. a lot. I do a lot of technical stuff. Okay. So I try to tell myself not to, um, because ultimately you've got to go and score, you've got to go and play. So that was probably my downfall at the start of this year when I obviously didn't have a great end to last year. So I did a lot of, not rebuilding, but a lot of swing technical stuff in the build up to Abu Dhabi this year. And this is no word of a lie. I must have been, I must have done, I started on the 3rd of January and we started on the 14th, I believe. So 13 days. I played nine holes in those 13 days. Wow. And that was my, I've had to had to take a really hard look at myself and be honest about it and go, well, that's completely wrong how I, mm. how I went about that. So I played nine holes and um, I was grinding on the range. I was doing track man stuff i was doing tests and the tests were all coming out okay um but that does not set you up for visualizing shots on the course you're getting different wins you're getting different lies you're doing all of this stuff um and that's my own fault but i felt like i've 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 grown as a person as a player that i know that now anyway so i've already got down in my books that i'm going to be doing technical stuff as i am doing now so i probably do I probably work an hour on technique um, without really one worrying about the ball flight or anything like that or the strike. I'm really having a look at the positions, seeing what it feels like by exaggerating it and then see what it looks like. So if I really exaggerate the feel, um, so I'm trying to keep my right shoulder at the moment low, low and down because it gets a bit too up and high. So I've got to try and feel like I really get that right shoulder down and low. And then I have a look at it on the on the camera and see what that looks like. And I'll be like, wow, I can go so much more. It's amazing. And um, so I'll do that for a bit. And then I'll step aside and then go into more of a game situation on, on Trackman. Uh, and it's all about outcome then. I don't care about the swing. No, no videos or anything like that. Um, and then I'm tr really trying hard to get out on the course. Um, I'm trying get, to get out on the course and play whether it be five, six holes. I love stepping up on because I think driver is such an important club nowadays. Um, Dave McNeely, my caddy, said it was, when we were working together, it was like the most important club in the bag because it sets up all your holes, hard holes, easy holes, wherever it may be, to set it up. So I really try and find a hole that I feel uncomfortable with and I'll stand there with five balls or say six balls and I'll just stand there trying to hit the perfect shot. The shot that I want to see, which would be a little fade. I always try and hit a little fade with my driver um, because I can rely on that then when it comes down to, say, playoff holes and stuff like that. 
Yeah, it's great. I think it's great. So, you know, you're just saying that anyone who's struggling with holes on the golf course, just go out and play them and figure out how to get yeah. that tee ball away. Because exactly. generally speaking, if they if they've got a nemesis hole, it's because they hit a bad tee shot. You know, exactly. generally it, it just logs in your head. You know, it's something that will stick in your head and you'll remember it, and then you'll go, oh, I better not hit that one." Whereas actually, if you go out there and hit it enough times, you'll remember the good one and go, "Right, let me hit that one." And um, if you can overcome that, yeah, go out there and play that hole as many times as you can. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So it's interesting. So obviously, you were, you have the hour session on the range. You then use TrackMan as the almost the the bridging gap then to putting into a game situation yeah, on the range. Trying to trying to get rid of the thought process of thinking swing more outcome yes. because I do think technical on the course when I play tournaments. I do because I've I, I've got a philosophy that the swing tells the ball what it wants to do sort of thing. So I need to get in these positions. And when I don't get in those positions, it puts me in a, in a, in a bad position to hit a bad shot or, or more, more of a chance for me to hit a bad shot. Um, so I do think maybe two or three things technically, but they're very simple things. There might be a slow takeaway. It might be um, try and try and shallow the club at, as much as you can at the top of the swing. And then the last thing I always think of is strike. Because if you strike the ball nowadays out in the middle, it tends to go pretty much where you want it to go. <laughs> uh, if you miss strike it, that's when it, it can go away. That's when it deviates. And I think it's, it's good. And it's, that's what I was getting to with the question, really. Just sort of saying, well, how do you separate the technique from the plane? But it sounds like you have a couple of simple swing thoughts. And then, simple, you know, yeah. you work at the shot. What's the shot that I need to play right now? Exactly. Um, yeah. Very simple, like flight so what window i'd like to, get to come out at and then which way i'd like it to fall whether it be right to left left to right so medium and high and then a lot obviously a lower one it's not going to move as much and yeah that, so trying to keep it as simple as possible when you're doing these drills and these trackman tests yeah i love that i love that so in terms of um, majors last year you had a pretty decent season third at the uh, pga and then 12th at us open um yeah. we were actually at us open actually we managed to come and spectate which was good um oh, nice. it was good yeah yeah, yeah. What, what, what a place what a place that is cool. <laughs> how different is it for the majors for you and i mean do you feel that that's the sort of the arena again that you're similar to the Ryder cup it's like is that that's you must be like thriving in that place and do you really feel that that's going to push you on to to do more yeah well i basically got left out of the Ryder cup because people were saying i didn't do it in the big tournaments i didn't do it in the majors and stuff so i had a point to prove there you know i had a point to to show these these critics and uh the people that knock me that i can do it in the big 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 time and, I like the way you called them critics there. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't give another word out. Yeah. Uh, it's a family um, <laughs> So we, uh, I, had to, I, had to sh I had to show people that I can do it. And I did it one probably one of the hardest golf courses in the world at Bethpage um, with how it was playing that week. But it was funny. I played really well the week before the British Masters, which I did so well for in this... And coming back to expectations and, and where your game's at, I did so well for 63 holes that week. And then winning mentality came back into my head and my skill set wasn't there, but my expectation was that I was going to win. And uh, I blew up. I blew up and I, I was really upset with myself and how I reacted. So I had to 
go and prove myself the next week again from a setback of finishing second. But from a setback, I had to prove myself that I could uh, could show people that that's not me as a as a person, but as a golfer, I, I compete and I'm hard, I, I I work really hard for it. So um, did really well there. Um, my highest place finish in a major, and. I, I can't see much difference for me, I feel. I think because my levels of drive are so high that I don't really find much difference between majors and normal events. I want to play well in them all. So that's what makes it a bit easier for me. And I've just begun to learn how to prepare for majors a bit better. Yeah. Uh, the first few years I was out there from Monday just all day because it's a major and you're buzzing. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, I at the at the PGA and at the US Open at Pebble, you, I took the Mondays off um, as travel days, and then Tuesdays nine holes, and you're working on the stuff for that week, and then Wednesday it might be another nine or even less, um, and you're doing your putting and just conserving your energy because it's a really long week, and you need to prepare for Sunday rather than than Thursday, and. Uh, the Masters showed that last year. Again, I fell back into, even though I've played four or five majors, uh, I was at the Masters and I went there from Sunday until Wednesday. I was there every day, apart from Tuesday, which was a whitewash, uh, a washout. Um, Sunday to Wednesday, all day Wednesday, play with Rory, nine holes in the morning, grind in the afternoon, then play the par three, win the par three, media, do all that until seven o'clock at night and that's the day before a tournament the tournament starts <laughs> so i was beat i was done by thursday i was done and um yeah that won't be happening again but it was the masters you know i i allowed myself to just love every minute of it and wanted to take it all in and it was the wrong way to think about it the best way to go about the masters if it's if i'm a rookie even though it's very difficult if I could tell someone else is just don't turn up until Tuesday, late Tuesday, play nine holes, play nine holes Wednesday and that's it because it's, it, it, you'll just get too involved in the tournament itself. And I went and played nine holes Monday morning on my own, the back nine. It's the best thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it was. Uh, it was, it was beautiful. It was stunning. Got some great photos and yeah, one of the best days of my life but I wish I stopped there you know I wish I stopped there chill out and prepare for a, a golf tournament so you must be looking forward to obviously the Masters in November now how are you going to yeah. how what's your approach going to be like this year now when you go back how way, it's going to change way different way different um obviously played the course now know what I need to do I played with Bernard Langer around there the first two days and he showed me a he showed me a way to play that golf course. Yeah, I tell you, like so different that it works, and I'm so glad that I played with him. I feel like I've taken loads of nuggets from him. Um, I'll be a little bit quicker than him, but <laughs> I will I will do it in in a way that is different. You know, yeah. Um, I was trying to hit driver most places because I felt like that was a strength of mine. But I didn't have a backup. I had no, at the time, I had no three wood that I could go rely on and go to. Um, and there's so many holes there. Even the first, you can hit three wood and lay up short of that bunker on the right. I've been, I was in that bunker twice. So difficult to to make four from there, really. If you get if you get a good lie, you can do it. But 
that bunker's really deep. So even the second hole, you can hit three with up the right-hand side. Bernard was, was hitting driver up the right, but staying short of that trap. So I could hit three with up that right and stay short of that trap. And then three were down there, get it on the green, but you can also just be around the green in two and be on the right side of it. And you can chip and putt for birdie, you know, rather than driver can reach that right trap with my fade brings in the left side. If I try and draw it or something like that, you know, it's, if it sets up good for me and it wins maybe down out the right, then yeah, perfect driver. But three would, I'm just in my head all the time. I go back to those holes and go, I've got a backup now. Whereas I didn't have before, I've got a three wood short of that trap, and I can get three wood or a long iron into an area where I can get to my short game and get get working. Sounds I like it happens a lot. Yeah, but, sorry, say no, a, lot, a lot of yeah, I say a lot of players that you know early in their career in thinking events like this, you start yeah. to figure out what shots you need to work at, and it almost sounds like a three wood. And it probably wasn't just the Masters; you probably had other tournaments as well that yeah. made you go, "I need to be good with a three wood off the tee." Yeah, massive, even. I don't have nightmares, but I do worry sometimes. Like the tenth hole, if I'm if I've got a lead and I get onto the tenth on the Sunday, you guys will know that I'll be nervous on that tee shot. Like, I'll tell you now, I'll be nervous on that tee shot because driver is so tight to that left side for me that I could potentially flare it to the right a little bit, or I just try to hit a a three wood now, quite a simple shot where I can aim it up that right hand side. And I can turn it over if I want a little bit. So now I have that backup where I've had to work on that and I've had to work on myself knowing that I need that in the bank. So um, last year I didn't have that shot. Uh, I didn't have that that square up shot onto a, that, on a lockdown, especially with driver. Three was a bit easier. Um, it was playing quite soft last year, so you had to get it quite a long way down there. But I don't have a, a big, nice high to the right draw driver on control on lockdown that I you always think about it doesn't matter about Thursday you might be able to put it off Thursday Sunday leading the tournament can you pull off a, a nice high draw with driver at the moment probably not so but have I got the three wood yeah I've got the three wood so I can hit that yeah and you'd rather be in a eight iron in than a four ride into that green I know I will, that <laughs> I definitely off, off that down yeah. slope as well um, but it's it's a it's a tough hole anyway and if you can minimalize it by getting it in the fairway is the first job you might hit that slope and get down there to a flat portion uh you can then hit the green from there and take it from there but we'll, we'll look forward to seeing you in contention on that sunday on the 10th hole we'll be we'll be thinking about it then right what's yeah, i going to yeah. do here and when, and yeah. when i stripe it I'm <laughs> just turn it like, that's for you boys yeah. that one is <laughs> start running down the fairway <laughs> <laughs> uh, brilliant Hi guys, Andy here. Just wanted to interrupt you because we are so excited about a new project that we have just launched and it is called Complete Putting. Now this is our most requested coaching plan. Everybody wanted a putting coaching plan so we've created it just for you guys. And it's a four week plan that covers everything in it from how to read the greens, how to create a consistent putting stroke to start the golf ball online, how to really dial in your pace control, as well as really finding the right equipment. And we're so excited about this. This is the best plan in our minds than what we've created. And it's gonna be launching at the end of June over at meandmygolf.com. So just wanted to give you guys a heads up and make sure you check it out then. Let's get back to the podcast. Right, um, let's just go with a couple more and we'll move on to the quick fires, Piers, because I think we're running out a little bit of time. Yeah, absolutely. What's the, uh, what's the hardest thing about being on tour? Um, uh, apart, from, apart from probably travel, um, 
you miss your family and you miss my miss my family and my friends at home that's that's a big one but i would say yeah sometimes the critics you know sometimes the people that over analyze you as a person or your swing or anything like that so i really try to minimize social media a lot um i've i've actually deleted it off my phone i, I don't have it on my phone so whenever i'm out I can't just search and it's, it's good for me anyway. Good for me for my time management. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to try and people make comments sometimes and it's just completely false or not true, or it might get you down sometimes that it just is. That's probably, I'd say some of the hardest stuff because you are in this bubble, you know, we're in this, in this, uh, in the limelight of people that can comment on, on you and that's sometimes some of the hardest stuff to deal with i feel um but ultimately yeah that if that's the hardest thing to come from being out on tour yeah um, i'd probably take it because we've got it so good out here we're very fortunate very lucky and it's mainly down to tiger so thanks very yeah. much <laughs> it's, it's interesting because we were at a, a seminar probably about 18 months ago at the pga in orlando and it was um hal sutton was on stage talking and he yeah. was saying that um, one of the biggest mistakes that he'd made was trying to change his game because other people were writing about him. And he said he tried Probably. to change his game around the Masters because somebody said yeah. he's never going to win the Masters. And he was quite honest and he was like, he said, if I could do it again, he said, I just wouldn't care what other people are saying. He says, I was really insecure when I was on tour. He says, when I look, when I look at it now, he says, I just go out there and I just want to make birdies. I just want to make birdies and hit draws. And he said... You know, changing you my game. In, you can see it in people, won't they? You can see it in people number one who have wanted to take their game, elevate their game to win tournaments that they don't think they can. When actually, you're number one for a reason. You can win anywhere you want. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's great to hear that there are stories from the likes of Hal who have been through that anyway, and that's without social media. Yeah, least. exactly. That would have been people in uh, media conference rooms and newspapers and all sorts where. They might say, oh, you can't, you just can't win there. I think Jack Nicholas did all right hitting a fade, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're trying to hit a draw. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, I'd say that's, I've never said that before. I've never really had that question asked, asked to me recently where I'd probably get it in the first couple of years out on tour and I'd say, yeah, travel. Yeah. Travel's the hardest thing. Like, it's not great. But actually, the main things are you miss your family a lot. Um, I miss my mates a lot. I don't get to see them hardly ever, especially with this dual tour that I play now. But yeah, the the critics that this this sport is very fickle. It's it's difficult. Um, you're not going to win. You're hardly ever going to win all the time. So um, the the negatives are outweigh the positives a lot of the time. So actually trying to stay focused and stay positive is is difficult. Do you know what the one thing I would say though? It's after listening to you today as well. It sounds like you've done a lot of proving people wrong. So these mm. these critics who who are criticising you may not be a bad thing because you can just continue to go out there, do your business, and and make them shut up. So well, that, almost that you almost want to use them. Yeah, <laughs> I've used it as fire. You know, I use it as fire. I use it as like I was saying to you guys before, go on a run, and then when you finish it, you feel a sense of accomplishment. I've had that the other day when. I genuinely felt like I was going to pass out with about 2K to go. But I dug so deep and I pushed myself that 
when I finished, I gave a fist pump. And you don't see that, but those are the little margins and little wins that you get. And I just felt like I felt proving to myself. I kept saying in my head when I was running, I was like, do you want to win again? Do you want to win again? Come on. And yeah, proving people wrong that you can, we, I can do this again sort of thing. And I will come back stronger than before um, because I, I, I've got a, a point to prove so important building these like you say these daily wins almost layer upon layer upon layer and you've become yeah. you know relatively impervious as a result don't you exactly yeah brilliant okay so we get quick we get, fire do you want uh, before, do you want to go through quick fire going, pierce yeah just or just a quick one i've got a note here as well because i know that um it was just a note i saw something it was a report from the pga championship obviously at sawgrass the the, the players sorry and the players, yeah. yeah just i just it was just more of a something i'd heard and i was just intrigued about it so uh, a story about blessings in backpacks mm. so it sounds I, I had a quick research on it but it, it seems to be an initiative for obviously feeding children and that but i think you've got involved and i'd just like to know a little bit more about it and yeah people well, hearing I, about it yeah so with the background of how my golf was going at the time, I played quite well at the Arnold Palmer. Well, I say I played quite well. I putted and chipped very well at the <laughs> Arnold Palmer. And um, I managed to find myself at Sawgrass feeling relatively comfortable, feeling quite good. And um, bosh, three over par first day and Hideki Matsuyama nine under. Brilliant. 12 shots back. <laughs> Um, got some work to do to make the cut sort of thing. So I'm not in a great place mentally on Thursday, but back myself to come out the next day and, and prove myself, prove to everyone and prove to myself that I can, that I can put a better score on the board and get a, I go to bed and my manager walks in, uh, Graham knocks on the door, walks in and goes, tournament's cancelled. And I'm like, oh, that's strange. Um, woke up the next day, get an email, you're all being paid a certain amount of money. I was like, that's <laughs> weird. So it's a split of the split of the purse and everyone's getting the same amount. And I that didn't sit right with me. I didn't I didn't like that. I didn't like the fact that um I was getting paid the same amount as Hideki basically. And I laughed and I laughed at my team, but I genuinely felt like oh, that's silly. They should well however they sorted it they sorted it yeah anyway so i said to graham i said um anything we can do uh to to help i've never done anything like this before to to a charity and i just thought right let's go 50 percent because 50 percent i didn't deserve it 50 percent i backed myself that i'd still make the cut because i that's what i always do anyway so i backed myself and i i got sent from the pga tour about six or seven charities in the area and the blessings in a backpack was the one that stood out for me and uh we called them up and i said to them listen i'd like to donate half of my my winnings from the players championship to you guys and um i hope i hope it sees you well in this time sort of thing because they get they get a lot of support from the pga tour and a lot of the stuff that goes on that week with ticket sales and all that stuff goes to certain charities in the area so without the tournament they won't get in what they deserved so of course i tried to do exactly what i well, what i thought i could do and billy horshaw was a very a good uh, patron of florida and stuff and doing charity work and um he sent me a nice message on on twitter so yeah uh, it's the least i could have done really 
Great, great stuff. I love that. It's an uh, important thing to do, I think. Well done. Yeah. Very good, very good. It was a, it was a nice thing. It was selfless. I, I felt good after it, you know. Yeah. It's not yeah. something you should feel good for, but I did, and I've never done it before, but I'll definitely do it again. Yeah, Brilliant. absolutely. Okay, let's fly through these quick fire then, if we can. Yeah. I know you're playing out there this afternoon at some point. It's uh, raining now. Is it raining? <laughs> <laughs> some indoor drills. We've got some indoor drills on our website you can do, actually. Okay, I'll go and have a look. Okay. <laughs> well, you sent us one as well recently. So oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> look at that one. <laughs> okay, best shot you've ever hit. We'll go fast through these. Uh, four iron in India. Four iron uh, in India. Yeah. For a watch. <laughs> for a logo. <laughs> for a logo. <laughs> for a logo. <laughs> Sporting hero. Uh, I'd be lying if, it, if I didn't say Tiger, but Johnny Wilkinson was up there for a bit. Okay, pretty good. Uh, what fr- what frustrates you the most about golf? Uh, bogeys. Bogeys. And then bogeys and worse. Yeah, probably, probably the worst. Uh, funniest moment on tour? Um, uh, that's a difficult one. Actually... A good story, one that we had. It won't be quick fire, we quite quick. Uh, so, winning Denmark, don't make the Ryder Cup, playing Cran next week. Danny Willett is there. I don't make the Ryder Cup team, and I'm there and I'm really down. I'm, I'm low, but I just won the week before. So, he was like, Right, we're going out. So, we go out on Friday, on Saturday night, uh, no, Friday night. We go out on Friday night, and we're both blind. I'm like 40th, and he's like 50th. And so, we go out. Friday night and um, we get absolutely hammered and we have a little we have a little wager on the next day and he's four over through four and I'm obviously off, off later than him and I'm like I'm buzzing and uh, he shoots three over I shoot four over so oh. he comes back in one under from there and I lose so he's pitched me right up oh, brilliant <laughs> brilliant um, okay, uh, would you rather be world number one for 98 weeks one more than Faldo or open champion? In that number one period, you've got a real good chance of winning a major, don't you? Um, Ooh, yeah. That's to, a good I'll way of thinking. Take, I'll have to take the uh, the major. The major. Guaranteed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> guaranteed major win. Guaranteed it's major. all about the majors. Okay. Uh, and the last thing, um, build the perfect golfer that, in terms of the golfers that you've played with. So best driver, be best iron, yeah. short game and putting. Um. At, uh, when I've played with them at their peak, so actually when I've played with them, um, I'd probably say DJ driving because he was amazing. I played with him in Saudi when he shot nine under that second day. It was unbelievable. Um, I'd go Stenson, Iron Play. He played amazing when we played. Uh, or oh, no. Ooh. I'm going to go, I'm going to change that. Westy, Iron Play. Unbelievable. Um Can I go tiger putting even though he didn't putt very well? Yeah. Yeah, you can go tiger putting. Yeah. Over his career, he's done all right, hasn't he? Because we know he's pretty good, isn't he? So tiger putting and uh, I'll go with, I think of people I've played with, uh, Harrington short game. Harrington yeah, short, yeah, that's pretty good. Just a quick one on DJ with his driving. Why Why was it so good? I mean, obviously it's long and straight, I, but I mean... I, yeah, but I... Like I was saying to you guys before, when I hit one shot, he hit one shot, one shot, pretty much all day as well. And it was windy in Saudi. So I don't know if you guys remember the fifth, uh, 16th hole, par three, water all up the left, the the, the nice hole of Saudi Arabia, the nicest yep. hole there pretty much. 
Wind's howling off the sea, off the left. Pin is front left. And I'm thinking, well, let's see how good he is now, sort of thing, because he's hit one fade all day. Just set it further out to the sea and landed it two foot from the flag, and it's released to about eight feet because it's going on the wind a bit. I was like, oh, <laughs> we got nine under that day, and that was unbelievable. But yeah, uh, launch was really on a, on a perfect flight, not too high, not too low. Really good window, um, always set off hard up the left-hand side and then fade. And then if the wind was out the right, he'd set it a bit further right. And it was complete control of the driver, golf ball. And I've been there in periods of my career and I, I need to get back there. Um, but that's why I thought he shot nine under that day because of his driving, not anything else. Mm. Awesome. Brilliant. Yeah. Very nice. Brilliant. Well, thank you for your time, Matt. It's been uh, it's no been worries. great chat. It's been great chat, and actually, we've learned a lot about you that we never knew. And I think it's always nice for for the listeners to know more about the person than just the golfer, because nobody gets yeah. to see that, do they? They just see you as as, more, as robots. Exactly. Yeah. And I think from listening to this, it's apparent why you're why you're successful at what you do. And and you know, we know that there's a big future ahead of you, and uh, we're excited to see it unfold. And uh, see you in the Ryder Cup and see you down the 10th hole at the Masters hitting that nice high draw as well that's a bit of insight for people to look out for exactly yeah um, where, where should the guys follow you on socials where's the best place for them to go and follow you um, I enjoy I enjoy Instagram more than anything I think it's a much more positive platform so uh, I think I'm Matt Wallace Golf uh, on Instagram I enjoy posting up some stuff um, about my game and then about my life on there uh, Twitter, I do the same, but um, Instagram is a bit more positive. I feel. Yeah, perfect. Absolutely. Make Absolutely. sure you head over there and follow Matt. Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. And yeah, hopefully we'll yeah. be seeing you soon, whether it be Dubai or a tournament or. Yeah. Me and you will be talking about Man United winning the league, which sound, sound, it, sound, it kind of feels like we can do it now for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> as, long as, as long as Liverpool don't, then it's great. Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. Was it Fergie would say, as long as they both lose? Yeah. yeah. Man City, Liverpool. But yeah, here we go. But yeah. Look forward to seeing you soon. Stay safe and obviously uh, hope the rest of the season goes well for you. Thanks, yeah. guys. Keep doing what you're doing. It's good stuff. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate Cheers, it, mate. Matt. Appreciate it. Thank Thanks. you so much. Thanks. Good, boys. Well, I don't know about you, but I really enjoyed that. It was fascinating to get a good insight into what makes Matt tick. And he is obviously a very fierce competitor. And I know this sometimes comes across when he's competing as he's got a slightly prickly demeanour. But I think you just saw what a great guy he is. He really opened out to us. You know, we're getting a good relationship with Matt now. And I think it's just fascinating to understand what drives these great golfers. And this is a guy, as you can see, who has got a lot of passion, a lot of drive, a lot of determination. And we know that he's got a long uh, standing career in this game of golf. Now, also what we'd love you to do, if you enjoyed that, please go and leave a review and give us a, a good rating if you enjoyed that and maybe even share with your friends because we want to reach as many people as possible with this podcast. And also, you need to check out the website, meandmygolf.com, because we've got some fantastic content over there. If you haven't seen it already, it's where we have our premiere content, our coaching plans, where they're specifically designed to take you through a week-by-week -week process, or whether it's a shot fixer, but also we have some amazing features which are going to be going live this year, including the roadmap and hopefully the app will be out later in the year as well. So plenty going on at meandmygolf.com. Go and check it out and we look forward to seeing you soon.